0: Welcome to the very first Market Commentator podcast for 2019. It is, of course, uh, my podcast where I speak to leading investment professionals. My name is Raik van Niekerk and my guest today is John Pierre Verster. He's a portfolio manager and a hedge fund specialist at Fairtree Capital. John Pierre, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Raik. Thank you. Good to be here.
0: Well, John Pierre, 2018 was a dreadful year for equity investors, um, especially in the local market. The all-share uh, dropped by 11%, and it was the uh, index's uh, worst performance since 2008. And uh, we've also recently seen the World Bank's forecast f- for growth in South Africa of 1.3%, which is uh, pedestrian at best. Uh, we'll also have an election this year, so we'll we can expect a lot of propaganda that may spook the markets. So within this context, what do you expect for 2019?
1: So in your introduction, right, you mentioned that I'm a hedge fund manager, and that means that I can short shares as well. So when you mentioned that it was a tough year for equity investors, I would say it was a tough year for long-only equity mm. investors. If one is in the position to be able to short shares, then there were quite a few opportunities in 2018. And similarly, in 2019, I would say that my crystal ball is broken. I don't know what's going to happen on the macroeconomic front, I'm unsure about the elections and what the outcome will be if the ANT will have an outright majority or we have a low probability event where they get just under 50% and they must look for a coalition with the EFF, for instance. Very low probability. Uh, But because of this uncertainty, uh, I build portfolios and I manage the funds to be both long and short individual shares. And that means that I don't need to forecast what markets do in general. Uh, I can try and make money where the markets rise All markets fall. And in addition to this, I use a lot of automation in my process to help me because as human beings, we use our human judgment and we are driven by fear and greed in our decision-making. And that means we sometimes make mistakes in our decisions. But by using automation and the computer and the objective output of of an automated process, it assists a human being like myself to make better decisions, more objective decisions and less emotional decisions. So I don't want it to sound like a cop-out, but I really don't know where markets will go. I can say that in general, I find markets to be roughly fairly valued, so not very cheap, but also not at a very expensive level. And we can go into certain sectors or certain parts of the market more in detail if you want.
0: I just want to return to uh, your reference to an automation. What is that? Is that a computer program you wrote to look at uh, different aspects of companies or investment options? How does it work?
1: It's an integral part of my quantamental process. And the word quantamental is a a mix of traditional fundamental ways of analyzing companies and a quantitative way of analyzing companies. And uh, the automation is the quantitative part of it. And in my process, each fundamental process and each quantitative process from manager to manager would be different. How I've applied it is I have proprietary models, company-specific models, which automatically tell me the fair value of the company based on the financials of the business. And I don't need a stock price to tell me the value. I don't need human judgment to tell me the value. I don't even need forecasts to tell me the value. My proprietary models work in such a way, and this is proprietary, I I wrote them over the last 10 years or so, that it automatically tells me, call it a naive or a most probable or an objective uh, uh, valuation of the company. And then I can use my human judgment to say, is that reasonable? Will the future look quite different to what the computer says? Because the computer effectively just extrapolates what has happened over the long term, the, the average of the long term. And I have felt, uh, and I found this a very powerful and very useful way and a very valuable tool to help me to make better decisions because I start off with the most probable value of the company and then I can use my human judgment to change that depending on how I see the future panning out. Your
0: long short fund, the Protea Equity Long Short Fund. Returned uh, 24% in 2018, which is uh, significantly better than the minus 11% of the JSC and uh, is probably uh, one of the best performances of any collective investment scheme in South Africa last year. How much of that 24% was achieved by shorting shares?
1: So roughly uh, 7% of the return was from outright shorting. Uh, we had a negative return from our long position. Uh, we had a 3 to 4% positive return from special situations. Those are, for instance, companies that have announced uh, takeovers, or if you think of certain companies that have got holdings in other companies, you can do a long-short trade called an arbitrage trade, which is also seen as a special situation. And my special situations added 3 to 4%. And then I also make use of option trading strategies both bullish option trading strategies and bearish option trading strategies, where I expect a sharper movement in a share price in the short term because of a catalyst, and that added another 10% to my return. Uh, and a big chunk of that 10% of the option trading strategies was because of a bearish view as well. So if I look at the outright shorts plus, plus the bearish options, my uh, uh, shorts contributed around 15%. To my return of 24 percent after all costs to our fund investors
0: you're of course uh, pretty famous for calling steinoff and shorting steinoff uh, just uh, prior to the collapse in uh, december 2017. how much uh, money did you make uh, from that particular position
1: uh, the steinoff short and i normally don't disclose shorts and i'll first go into this When you come out publicly and you say as a hedge fund manager you are short a share, generally the management of the company that you are short don't like it very much. Hmm. And you don't always get an invitation to the next results presentation. Now, for most hedge fund managers, being short a company is purely based on valuation or based on an assessment of the business. You are not short the person, the CEO of the business, but it's sometimes perceived by the CEO and other people in the business as if it is personal, as if you are short them, And that is why I generally don't disclose my short positions. You do get activist shorters, like, for instance, Viceroy, who do go public and their, their, uh, proper, their, their uh, modus operandi is indeed to use the media and to use emotion to try and drive down share prices. But that's only one segment of the shorting community. And I would say it's a less responsible part of the shorting community and the hedge fund community. By far and large, the biggest part of the hedge fund community when they short shares is not to whip up a frenzy of public uh, media attention, but rather just as a a risk management tool to offset some of their long positions. So I went public with Steinoff just because of the, the importance of that event. And Steinhoff contributed more than 7% to my fund's return for 2017. But most of the money, all of the money in my Steinhoff short position was made in December 2017 mm. when we had the big fall of Steinhoff from over 50 Rand to less than 10 Rand. In 2018, Steinhoff had a negligible impact on my fund return.
0: If I look at the sector allocation of your. Local fund, um, let's look at your short positions first. Uh, you seem to be short on in the healthcare sector as well as in resources. Why those two sectors?
1: Well, once again, my starting point is always what my objective valuation models tell me. And what my models have told me is that specific shares in specific sectors, and it can be any shares in any sectors, in this case, specific shares in the commodity sector, and in the healthcare sector, are expensive. And I considered those shares, I used my human judgment, and at the end of my quantum mental process, I decided, yes, I agree with the models. I do feel that in the case of commodity companies, the specific companies that I am short, in general, the spot commodity prices that these companies uh, sell their commodities that they produce at are higher than what they were uh, on average over the last few years. There's been a recovery in a lot of spot commodity prices over the course of the last 18 months. But we're at a point where I now feel that these commodity prices are again above average. And I don't know what might cause them to move back to average. But there is this phenomenon in nature called reversion to the mean. And my expectation is that at some point, these commodity prices will also revert to the mean. And that means that if that happens, the commodity companies themselves are overvalued if the, spot is, uh, if the spot commodity price is rather full. So that is the thesis on the specific commodity companies. On the healthcare companies, uh, a few, I, I'm sure... Yes. Jump,
0: jump here. Um, you know, having said that, uh, the top-performing shares on the JSE last year were Anglo Gold, Anglo's Bulletin. Um, And then down the list, uh, you have gold fields as well. Um, But specifically, Anglo Gold, Anglos and Billiton, both at more than 21%, Anglo Gold at 41%. That seemed to be pretty solid performances in the greater context.
1: A very good performance. And that is why the short positions in the commodity space, in the commodity sector that I'm referring to, are recent positions. In November and December, I put on these short positions in the commodity space, not at the beginning of 2018 and uh and that is why it's called it near the end of this run in these companies that you mentioned right now feel they are near the upper uh, end of the valuation mm-hmm. range because remember you also get in broad terms two types of companies you get cyclical companies and you get defensive companies or long-term com- compounding companies and commodity companies by definition are cyclical in nature they don't have a competitive advantage they don't compound their value year after year they are quite cyclical so if commodity companies and cyclical companies in general have had a very strong period, once again, the reversion to the mean phenomenon means that can probably be followed by a below-average period.
0: Yeah, Anglo Gold also saw uh, a good performance in December specifically, and most of the gold stocks actually rallied in December.
1: Yes, and that is why for December... I obviously got hurt because I shorted some of these commodity companies in November and they rose in December. And that is why, very importantly, once again, hedge funds are a category of funds and you have all kinds of strategies within that category. And within that, you have different hedge fund managers that have got different appetites for risk. Now, my personal appetite for risk is very low when it comes to big, short exposure. I like to keep my short exposure in specific companies at less than 5% per company so that if something unexpected happens and the company that I am short starts rising in price and the shares say doubles, I don't get completely carried out, but I can manage the risk of my shorts that go up in price because my positions are not concentrated.
0: Your other short positions or uh, majority short positions are in the healthcare sector. Aspen down last year, 51%. I'm sure you made uh, money there. Uh, But why the the healthcare sector?
1: Uh, Once again, there are specific companies, and it's not just Aspen, um, but there are specific companies in the healthcare sector that uh, throughout 2018 looked expensive to me with the help of my models. Uh, The healthcare sector is a short that I had for probably the last half of 2018. So once again, a position I put on more in the middle of the year uh, in more than one healthcare company. And it once again just came down to the fact that these companies were expensive, and when they reported numbers, it was clear that there was a lack of organic growth, organic revenue growth. There were high debt levels. And when you have a combination of lower growth, high debt levels, And the change in the narrative of a share from people thinking a share that has done very well over a long time will keep on doing well, but you have once again the reversion to the mean phenomenon, meaning that it might be the end of the above average period, you can have a very sharp reaction in the share price. And that is what we saw in the healthcare sector Mm. this year. How often
0: do you change short positions?
1: My positions are more long-term in nature. So many of my positions I've held for more than a year. Uh, some of them for a few months. It depends on if my thesis plays out and I still believe the company is a short, or whether some news comes out and I change my view and I cover my short because I think uh, that the company's prospects look much better, or the share price has fallen so far that it's not an uh, attractive short anymore. But I probably take longer-term short positions than the average hedge fund manager because I do focus on the fundamentals of the company and not the share price movement of the share. And that means that one can take longer-term positions even on the short side.
0: On the long side, it is obvious that you favor financials. Uh, why the financial sector?
1: So firstly, if you look at the sector classification of the JSE, financials includes banks, uh, life assurers, general financials, as well as property companies. So it's actually quite a wide sector that is defined as financials. And I have exposure to all those, call it sub of the financial sector. And it once again is not that I took a top-down approach and said the financial sector looks cheap, but rather on a bottom-up perspective, I, I decided to be long a number of shares and I happened to be in the financial sector. So I'm long a few property companies. We've seen property being under pressure in South Africa. And some of that is, or a lot of that is discounted in the share price. So any optimism, any change in the outlook, if we do get say a more investor friendly outcome with the elections could be quite good for certain property companies. I am long a number of banking shares for similar reasons. And I am long a few general financial shares, uh, And I'm not, very long in the life assurance sector. So that gives you some feel for my positioning when it comes to the financial stocks.
0: How many stocks do you actually hold in the portfolio?
1: On average, I hold between 80 and 100 stocks. So once again, it speaks to the diversification of the shares in the portfolio and that it's not just one or two or three concentrated high conviction positions that if I get it right, I do very well. And if I get it wrong, I do very badly. But it's a very diversified Portfolio, and that allows the probabilities to work in my favor because I know I will be wrong quite often. I won't be right with every investment call I make. But if you are more wrong than you are, uh, if you are more right rather than you are wrong, and you have a diversified portfolio, it means that when you are wrong, it doesn't hurt you as much. But when you are right over time, that, uh, that incremental edge you have in your process can compound and lead to an above-average outcome for the investors.
0: Just lastly, um, your fund is expensive. Your TER is around 7.4%. If you add the transaction cost to it, it's around uh, 8.1%. Uh, obviously, uh, your the fund performed extremely well last year and you did earn performance fees. But is, is this realistic, these type of uh, costs associated with a collective investment scheme?
1: Well, it depends what the investor is after. If an investor wants the lowest-cost product, then they should go for an index fund, which comes at a very low cost. If an investor wants to invest with hopefully an above-average manager and is willing to pay a higher fee for a better outcome, then a performance fee structure can be appropriate for those investors. So the 24% return that the investors received in this fund is after all fees. So if you add back the, the performance fee, of just over 5%, it means that the gross performance of this fund was over 30%. And because of the performance fee structure, which incentivizes the manager and aligns the interest of the manager with the investor, that means that I did take an above average fee in 2018 because of the very good performance. Importantly, hedge funds, just about all of them have got a high watermark principle, which means that if I do less well in 2019, and I don't exceed a cash hurdle, then I won't be able to charge any performance fee. And if I give a negative return, I need to make up the negative return before I can start charging performance fees again. So in any one specific year that there's a standout performance, the fee of the performance fee component looks very high. And a lot of people get scared off from the fund because of that. But over time, if the manager can continue to deliver above-average returns even after an above-average fee, then the investor wins and the hedge fund manager wins.
0: We'll have to leave it there. Thank you, John-Pierre. That was John-Pierre Fester. He's a portfolio manager and a hedge fund specialist at Fairtree Capital.